0: It's a show with two retired detectives That were in the thick of New York crime fast and hectic They got some stories and some jokes Even an interview with the most popular folks Off the cuff, off the cuff One episode just saying enough And
1: a little laughter and in an interview too
0: Thing you can do. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Police of Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. And today we're back to talk about the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case. There's been a lot of interesting things that have occurred overnight. Uh, a lot of comments by some uh, pundits, politicians for, by the press. And we're going to do a, a deep dive into that today. First, I'd like to introduce my co-host straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing today, Phil?
2: I'm doing pretty good, Billy, and I'm excited to finally get to meet today's guest.
0: Our special guest today is retired first grade detective Michael O'Keefe, who is an accomplished author, a poet, uh, sort of a renaissance man, you might say. But uh, Mike's written, uh, I'll put some of his books on the screen, A Reckoning in Brooklyn, uh, shot to pieces, which is almost an autobiographical piece on the 1992 Washington Heights riots with some names changed to protect the innocent. Uh, and then it burnt to a crisp. So he's quite an accomplished writer, but he's quite an opinionated author. And when we talk about talking the talk and walking the walk, I'd like to thank both of my uh, uh, former members of the service, Detectives Phil Grimaldi and the det- uh, retired detective Michael O'Keefe can, can do both. And I'm thrilled to have both you guys on the uh, show today. And I just wanted to mention a couple of things. We had spoke about, um, This this verdict and how many people took it different ways. Uh, It seems like people on the right were 100% behind it and said that was what it should have been. This case should have never been brought to trial. But the left talks like this was the biggest miscarriage of justice uh, since whatever the last ridiculous miscarriage of justice is. I'm just going to read some of the comments by some of the politicians on the left. This is from Mayor De Blasio. This verdict is disgusting and it sends a horrible message to this country. Where is the justice in this? We can't let this go. We need stronger laws to stop violent extremism from within our own nation. Now is the time. Uh, is is he is he calling for riots? What is he calling for? That's the mayor of New York City. It, it's it's pathetic that he made a statement like that. I I want to pick another one um Jerry Nadler. Uh This heartbreaking verdict is a miscarriage of justice and sets a dangerous precedent, which justifies federal review by the DOJ. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines looking for trouble while people engage in First First Amendment protected protests. There's at least two or three falsehoods in that very uh, short paragraph. Uh, The first one is that he did not cross state lines armed. That is a misnomer it has been put out there by the press and the lie perpetuates itself because it keeps being repeated. The second thing is these people weren't protected First Amendment. They were rioting. They were not peaceful protesters. They were rioting. And I'm going to show you some video later on with that. And let me just go to Eric Adams, our new mayor-elect. Uh, this is an indictment of irresponsible laws that make our society far more violent and unsafe under the guise of personal freedom and so-called self-defense. The biggest danger to all of these statements is that, are we not trusting the jury system? Is the jury wrong because you didn't get the verdict that you wanted? I find that scary, that you're ready to throw out the entire jury system and the entire criminal justice system because you whining politicians didn't get the result that you wanted. Michael O'Keefe, comments.
3: Yeah, I'm... uh It doesn't bode well. Um, Interestingly enough, this is not a new phenomenon. Uh, This actually began questioning jurors and jury decisions. uh, Actually began after Ferguson with Barack Obama. He uh, said the jury has spoken and then went on for an hour on why it was an unjust verdict. And it opened the door for the rioting that took place in Ferguson. Um, that That was the bellwether case. And since then pundits on the left, uh, they're no longer content with the criminal justice system anymore. They expect an outcome that favors their agenda, whether the evidence obviously exists to support that or not. And clearly in this case, the evidence didn't, uh, <clears throat> what seems to be, uh, trending however, is that they're losing on this, uh, on this subject they're losing votes they're losing seats in the house and the uh and the congress and i and i think that the midterms are going to uh to hit them very hard and hopefully it's a it's a wake up call and they stop espousing their emotion and we fall back and be a nation of laws again cuz right now we're not
2: today, after taking a trip to Walter Reed Medical Center for his annual physical and a colonoscopy, President Biden was asked whether he stood by his past comments equating Kyle Rittenhouse to white supremacy. Do stand
0: by your past comments equating him to
4: white supremacy? Well, look, I stand by what the jury has concluded. The jury system works, and we
0: have to abide by
2: it. On his way. Got to uh, just piggyback what you said. Um, I think that uh, a lot of these politicians, now Bill mentioned Nadler and de Blasio. I don't want to lump Eric Adams into what I'm going to say about de Blasio and Nadler because he's actually not even taken office. But if you look at the approval rating of both de Blasio and Natala, they have low approval ratings, even within the Democratic Party. Okay. So we're going to talk about Democrat, Republican, even the Democrats don't approve of them. They're both, I don't want to get vulgar, but they're both pieces of garbage. They're anti-American. Uh, de Blasio is basically a socialist. Uh, he's a communist socialist in my eyes, and their opinions mean nothing to me. When we looked at this case, and I kind of followed it, You have to look at the scales of justice are blind, allegedly, and if you looked at this through a legal lens, by the letter of the law this kid was found not guilty and it was the right decision. Juries aren't supposed to say, well, I'm black. Let me uh, rule on the side of a black person or I'm white. Let me rule on the side of a white person. Th- the scales of justice are blind and you're not supposed to take that into account. You look at the letter of the law. That's what they did. This jury got it right. Uh, th- there's, there's a million things we could talk about whether or not He was there with a gun, shouldn't have been there, whatever. The bottom of the line is this. He had no intent to hurt anyone. He went there to help people. He went there to protect life and property. And when he was attacked, he retreated and he defended himself. And that's where it ends, right there. The jury got it right.
0: Yeah, you know, I want to read up the first paragraph of an article written by a retired FBI agent and St. John's University criminal justice professor, Uh, James Gagliano. He wrote, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all charges, which should come as no surprise to anyone who followed the facts of this case. Though sadly, that does not include our politicians and media pundits. Rittenhouse should never have been unjustly smeared, served up as a political prop by those like our current president who implied a campaign video that the teenager from Antioch, Illinois was a white supremacist. So there you go. I mean, there's a, uh, Former law enforcement, he's voicing his opinion and, you know, using this as, you know, I, I, as I said, I think I said before uh, when we were off the air, the the left wing uh, creates people like uh, Mr. Rittenhouse by allowing people to riot and burn down communities and tying the hands of police because the police in this Kenosha riots, not Not peaceful protests. And I would like, you know, when people see things, you know, 180 degrees differently than others, I just want to throw this in their face so that they can't question what I'm saying. There was $50 million worth of damage in Kenosha, 50 million. Their total budget of their government was 100 million. So if you're going to say these were peaceful protesters, where did the $50 million of damage come in? So when the government refuses to protect their populace and refuses to protect their property, that creates people like Kyle Rittenhouse to come into the neighborhood. When I raised my right hand to become a New York City police uh, officer, I said I swear to protect the Constitution of the United States. I, I swear to protect the Constitution of the state of New York, and I swear to protect the people and the property of the people of the state of New York. Don't politicians take that very same oath? They don't take it very seriously if they, in fact, do.
2: It's totally totally disgusting how the media has inflamed this whole case. I mean, I saw reports on the news last night that other countries outside of the United States were reporting that Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black individuals, killing two of them. They had to do retractions because they didn't even know that this was white people involved in the whole case. There were no black people involved in this case. Now that shouldn't even come into play. Whether you get shot, and I don't care what color you are, the law is what Determines what punishment you get, or even if you're charged. So that's another thing. The media is so responsible, as well as these politicians, for inflaming tensions in the United States and, and even around the world. It's ridiculous. Could you imagine that most of the people that were being interviewed at these protests didn't even know that the victims of this case, they obviously didn't know the history of these victims, and some of them have extensive criminal records for things like raping five children? Children and I'll say it again, raping five children. And I mean, you know, listen, does that mean that the person deserved to die? Well, in some instances, there are people that'll say yes, but he was also attacking Kyle Rittenhouse when he was doing what he was doing and he was killed. So, I mean, you know, they don't even know that. They don't even know the facts of the case. They don't even know the race of the victims in the case. And they got signs off about, you know, he was a a racist and he was a Whatever the things that they said about him.
0: It's interesting.
2: Go
3: ahead, Mike. If I, if I could jump in. Because the race shouldn't even be a, a part of, of this course. discussion. It's only the media that made it so. But interestingly enough, the only racist in this whole thing was one of the victims himself who kept dropping the N-word.
2: That's saying, right.
3: I'm going to kill these N-words. It wasn't Kyle written House's worth, And he initially was trying to flee, as is, in most jurisdictions, your responsibility. As a civilian. So he used his due diligence until they trapped him, and then they were using deadly physical force upon him that he had to reciprocate. He had no choice if he wanted to get out of there alive than to reciprocate.
0: You know, I want to show a little bit of this. This is uh this is the riots last year in Kenosha. Anybody,
2: anybody for this? ready for this. You
5: You right. You have to open your eyes. You got to keep blinking. Blink a lot. Blink blink, 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 blink,
2: blink, blink. Are you okay? Blinking.
4: Blink a the right. bunch. There you go. Good. Good.
1: Yeah, they're, 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 they're breaking the windows right now.
0: They're looting. They're, lo- they're breaking the windows. Share the stream. We're in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha. Look
3: okay,
1: Look okay, okay, okay.
2: I'd like to ask Jerry Nadler if he thinks that's First Amendment right
0: to uh, protest. And I think their intention was to burn down this car dealership.
2: I, I think eventually they do, Bill.
0: Yeah, and they they set this on fire too. This is that's not rioting either. That's no. that's protected by the First Amendment also. Yeah. So um, yep, Since they want, so you guys are lighting the uh, the trailer on fire. It appears.
4: At CJ TV,
2: on oh, no. I think we're all getting it. Hmm. If you look at these skels, they could care less about what they're even protesting or rioting about.
3: Many of them are paid for agitators that were brought in from out of town. Oh,
2: absolutely,
3: absolutely. This, you know, the sad reality is they pulled the police off the streets to allow this to occur. I'm not looking at all that many people. This thing could have been policed with a small squad of cops.
2: Absolutely, Mike. Mike. Absolutely. And you send a message if you arrest these punks, keep them in for a few days. It's not such an easy uh, time to go to do all of this nonsense. It's a
3: ninety thousand dollar auto that's burning, by the way.
0: There we go. This is a peaceful demonstration. Yeah, they're just going to have a barbecue by those cars, like you know. Enjoyment. Is the CNN reporter setting up in front of this fire, Bill? Uh, I'm I'm here watching the mostly peaceful demonstration. That's yeah. Mike, you made a good point. It's not a lot of people that are involved in this. This would have been
2: easy to restore order. Yeah,
3: There's
2: not hundreds and hundreds of people.
3: Well, if you abdicate your responsibility in your numbers, you can't police anything.
0: Can't, can't, this one. There's the, fl- yep, the whole the, the whole line. car the whole car dealership is gone talking about probably millions of dollars in damage which um, the mayor and the governor of uh, Wisconsin were offered the national guard and they turned it down turned they it simply down. they didn't they need it they just the wanted the riots to go on you know and let me know where you're, let me know where you're watching from too where
2: are the environmentalists on all of this smoke i guess they would object to this wouldn't isn't that pollution no that's clean
5: smoke because no oh
2: okay that's what it is that riots it's clean smoke that's allowed okay
0: viewing storm damage in iowa please if you're watching this right now google search iowa storm damage or go to so as you could see that was not um that was not a peaceful protest that was the riots last year in kenosha wisconsin uh as i said 50 million dollars worth of damage the the governor and the mayor were offered uh, the national guard by the president at the time, and they turned it down. Why they turned it down, and then they ordered the police to stand down. So this is the people that are questioning why a seventeen year old went to his neighborhood with a gun who did not cross state lines with an illegal gun. The gun was and the gun also was not illegal, and that was that's why it was tossed out in court. But that was being reported by the press, so it becomes true when the liars on CNN and MSNBC who also should be charged with contempt of court for fo- following the van of jurors uh I think leaving the civil
3: court is going to take care of the media outlets specifically CNN and MSNBC uh the big joke that's going around today is uh Kyle Rittenhouse and the kid uh that got slandered by CNN uh, about the pro- uh, about the uh protest with the Native American in Washington DC yeah uh, right yeah, they, uh, they agreed uh, that they're going to split CNN and MSNBC. Because <laughs> yeah,
0: they they're going be, to be the owners. You know, uh, the prosecutor in this case, um, Mike, you and I and Phil, uh, being on the NYPD, especially being in Manhattan, we probably had some of the best prosecutors probably in the world were in uh, in, in Manhattan DA's office. And whenever there was a major case, they would pull out the big guns, mm-hmm. the big, the best prosecutors would have the case. I find it hard to believe that this guy was their best prosecutor. Well, he he was—he
3: act- actually was, Bill. And if you read up on it, he was handpicked to take this case uh, and take it through the indictment. But that's because he was a team player for their agenda. Their agenda's a loser. And he's the best they have. This is not a mistake. This was the best they had. And he had nothing to work with. And he did very poorly because he had nothing to work with.
2: He may have been the best and the most crookedest because he broke... I mean, uh, he should be brought up on judicial misconduct. He's uh, prosecutorial misconduct. He he broke many, many rules. I mean, and and I believe had this kid been found guilty, I think the judge would have overturned it and, and dismissed it on prejudice because of all the stuff that that knucklehead did. I mean, we pointed out yesterday how he was pointing a gun at the jury with his finger on the trigger, which is obviously a no-no. Anybody that knows That's anything about gun safety.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Medicine. Exactly. Good point, Mike. Good point.
0: You know, in the article by James uh, Gagliano, the uh, St. John's University professor and uh, for a retired FBI agent, he quotes Hakeem Jeffries. Uh, he believes in defunding the police and emptying Rikers, but not apparently in this case, as he recklessly tweeted, lock lock up Kyle Rittenhouse and throw away the key. Mm-hmm. So I thought he didn't want any prisons or, or jails, so, but he wants to throw away the key in this. I just think... You know, there's so many uh, bad things about this. I mean, look, we talked about this case yesterday, Phil I and uh, Tommy Dades. And one of the things, look, I I agree that I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse should have went to Kenosha uh, and, you know, with an AR-15 and confront the rioters. He was 17 years old, sort of a good way to get into trouble, and he found trouble. You know, but when you look at what occurred, He didn't precipitate what occurred. He was attacked by three different people and he defended himself. And if we ever lose the right um, of justification and to use deadly physical force to protect our lives and our home, this is not the United States of America. And you're seeing that in some Democrat uh, bastions of, of liberalism like L.A., People are getting carjacked and home invaded, and they're telling them to cooperate with the criminals. Are you out of your mind? Where does that mentality come from? It's it's very disturbing to me. You know,
2: Billy, uh, you got to look at also the fact that, and I think Mike brought it up, he retreated. It wasn't like he went there looking for a problem. He actually was retreating. He was running away from when he saw that he was being confronted. He tried to escape. He ran away. He was pounded on. And then all of the deadly physical force took place. And that prosecutor that you put up a minute or two ago, he actually supplied the defense with an inadequate copy from a drone of him uh firing the last couple of shots before everything ended the, it was very clear the copy that they had and it was actually broadcast on Fox News on the Tucker Carlson show and then when they submitted to the prosec- uh, to the defense which is part of the legal system you have to turn over all your your evidence that you're going to produce they gave a copy that was inadequate, it was blurry, and it was proven that it was it was not the same copy that they had. So they they tried a lot of different ways. And Bill, one last point I wanted to make, when you brought up about the fact that the politicians held back the police and the National Guard, they knew what they were doing was going to lead to big problems, and you said it was $100 million in, in damage, I believe? No, it
0: was, it was $50
2: million. Okay, $50 million in damage. So they wanted to use Kyle Rittenhouse as a scapegoat to say, well- Look what happened! Fifty million dollars in damage, but this guy was arrested, and he—he—he's he's, going to pay the price for the murder of those people, and that was their way out of it. But it didn't work out that way for them. Their narrative didn't pull through because the jury system worked. The evidence just wasn't there that he should be prosecuted. And um, I'm very glad that it—you it, it, know—that the jury got it, because if you were watching this and you're in law enforcement or you're in the legal world it was clear what was going on. This was, this was a, a, a complete acquittal, you know, halfway through the trial. I mean, as soon as that first witness came on and said that, yeah, I was pointing my gun at him when he shot me, my loaded Glock uh, handgun, complete justification, you know, for, for using deadly physical force. So I think it was over right there, you know, and then it just compounded when you saw all the antics that the uh, prosecution pulled.
0: You know I, I when I was watching the summation by there was two prosecutors the not the guy binger the heavy set guy and he was talking and it was so stupid his whole narrative he was talking why did Kyle Rittenhouse bring a gun to a to a fist fight <laughs> to a fist fight really a 3 foot skateboard being hit over the head with it one of the criminals had a gun a guy running out of nowhere and 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 jumping him from behind trying to grab his gun and then you know he was also talking about, oh Rosenbaum, what did he do that was so bad? He tipped over a porta potty, he set a trailer on fire. Like he, that's an arson, uh, Mr. <laughs> D.A. That's a B felony, an arson, and you don't know that, and you're re- regurgitating nonsense as if, and using it as a defense. I was like baffled. Like these guys aren't really saying this, are they? And also, what you're implying is they were rioting because a disorderly group with more than, I think, nine people is a riot first degree. So it was like a riot. First. So all the things you're saying is filling the narrative of the defense because you're admitting to rioting, you're admitting to arson, and you're admitting to assault. So it was a baffling uh, display of horrendous prosecution.
3: Well, the part of the problem was the prosecutors weren't using the law to prosecute him. They were using emotion and agenda. That's not what the law is written on. It's written on evidence, in fact. And the other aspect, and it hasn't hasn't been widely reported, but I've seen it in a couple of places. Kyle Rittenhouse, the reason why he was attacked by these cretins, and there really is no other word. Well, actually, there's several words, but we'll go with cretins. Uh, he was with a group of guys that were putting out fires, and they were protecting businesses. But he got separated from them. He got separated from his group because he stopped to render aid to someone. And it was when he was alone that the hyenas piled up and chased him. And that's what precipitated what occurred. Not Kyle Rittenhouse being there. The fact that he was there and he was alone and he was vulnerable and these animals were on the street. That's why.
0: You know, I'm gonna sh- Mike. You're 100 right, and I like I like your colorful language. Using hyenas as a metaphor, there it was uh, quite effective. It sort
2: of fits, Billy. It sort of yeah. fits. That's
0: I want to play. Do. I want to play the uh, when the verdict came down, and then there's an interview with Ashley Banfield with the attorney for uh, Kyle Rittenhouse that I'm going to play a bit of right now.
5: We're hopeful, but if anybody says we knew what was going to happen, they're full of it. <laughs>
1: Well, counselor, that leads to my next question. Um, and it's a two-part. Did Kyle think that he was going to prison? And did you prep him for that very real possibility?
5: I'll take the second one first. We did prep him. We told him one way or the other he was going out that door today um with a deputy to either come home with us or go to prison for a very long time. And he hugged his family goodbye, his sisters. It was very emotional. Um, he threw up before we walked downstairs to get the verdict. Um, you know, there's, you haven't lived until you've been in that situation. I'm not suggesting I was in the situation he was in because no matter what happens to my clients, I get to go home at the end of the day. Um, but it was scary.
1: It's, it's quite a description that you, um, that you just gave me, which leads me to wonder what is he doing tonight? Where is he right now?
5: He's home with his family um, where he's been living for quite some time, uh, the last seven, eight months. And I think he's decompressing. Um, We've talked. He came into my office when security got here and we talked a little bit, but not long because we knew a lot of people would be showing up here. And he went home and he's got the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders at this point.
1: And regarding the security, you mentioned briefly this afternoon that you when you signed on to this case were surprised all of a sudden the death threats started coming in that is not surprising i watched trials now for 15 years and i watched the zimmerman case where um you know litigants in that case also faced the same thing can you tell me the extent of the threats against you and also the threats against kyle
5: you know we've all had threats the prosecutors had threats um we're, I have the police at my house um you know i I quit answering my phone um between the kenosha county courthouse and my office which is only about a 17 minute drive i had three death threats um they're now calling my wife's phone i answered it and somebody said you know stated my correct address and said we're coming for you tonight um i think most people who are going to try and kill me aren't going to call me but it is unsettling and to think people want to turn this into some sort of sick game, I, I have a real problem with.
1: Could you um, elaborate a little bit on what you said earlier? And that was that uh, you had a question from, I think, um, someone in the press about the, the tears that that Kyle shed on the stand. There's been much ado about that. One side says crocodile tears. The other side said it showed the, the real young man. Um, but you mentioned that he's been... In counseling, that he has uh, suffered from PTSD and that he is unable to sleep at night, he seemed to have an, a, a sort of an affect on the stand. Can you dig in a little bit more about the person who Kyle is? Well,
5: you know, it's the people You know, there's two sides to that: real or fake. One side's right, and one side's wrong, and. I've known Kyle Rittenhouse for over a year. Um, I've seen him in my office and I've seen in preparation for this trial, talking to him and him getting emotional and upset. Um, There were certain topics we really didn't talk about because we knew what was going to happen. You know, the people who tweeted out the stupid things that it was fake. If you've ever seen a panic attack, that was one. And I'm sure they're the same people who are going to say that he was faking it when he just about passed out when the first not guilty was read. Um, I'm not going to change their minds. I know what happened. I know that kid, young man, and it was real. And he was genuinely troubled by the things that happened. And it stayed with him. You know, I'm an insomniac probably because I'm old, um, but, Kim and i talked much about how little sleep we get and you know when i was his age i didn't have any problems sleeping
1: um. Councillor, can can you tell me about uh, post trial? The, the, the cameras turn off. Uh, we don't get the inside view of what, what happens after uh, the gavel comes down and the and the judge clears the courtroom. But I know so often that um, litigators like you really hope to have a word with the jury just to know what they were thinking. It it informs you for your your career for your cases that, that are still to come. Did you get that opportunity to talk to this jury? And if so, what they say?
5: Did not even attempt to. Um... I would love to talk to one or two of those jurors. Eventually, they're probably just as stressed out as I am right now. Um, we made, I don't want to say an agreement, but law enforcement was very, um, helpful in security with myself and my clients and my co-counsel, Corey Shiroffacy, um, getting in and out of the courthouse, you know, they asked that I not stick around because of the problems that might have happened. And I was more than willing to honor that request. You know, they took court, um, Kyle out the back door. We walked out and immediately went down a secure tunnel and they took us out. Um, you know, and we got home and made sure nobody's following us. Um, our security guards have been unbelievable. And, you know, I, I wish I had one tonight as opposed to they're all with Kyle, but I'll deal with that.
1: Even though you've had a death threat, uh, somebody who, who quoted your address and said, tonight, we're coming for you tonight.
5: Well, that's, you know, why the police, I suspect, are there.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to play a little inside baseball here. Uh, clearly, I you know, would love to have the first interview with, with your client, Kyle. I've done legal journalism for 15 years. Here I am selling myself to you. But I've heard that he has secured an interview with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. And the only reason I bring that up is because in this world of polarized media now, it is well known that Fox has been very supportive of Kyle, the MSNBCs and CNNs of the world, maybe not so much. Do you think it's a wise decision to uh, to take that interview with with Tucker Carlson um, at this time?
5: I, you know, if it was up to me, that may not have happened. Um, but it's not up to me. And you know, the only thing I told Kyle is he has to be responsible for himself, and he has to start making some of his own choices. And the most important word he can learn is no. Um, I I do I under you know, MSNBC was so unfair to us. Um, obviously Fox has backed us, you know, and many of the Fox viewers have paid um, money to help Kyle's defense. So there is sort a certain allegiance there, I believe. Um, I. I I wish it wasn't so politicized Um, because, you know, we won today, but that doesn't really mean, you know, like in a sports metaphor, we came out, he's free. He can go about his life. But this, this case has taken a dramatic toll on him, his family and all the people who have unfortunately been drawn into it.
0: Well, that was a, hell of an interview with the attorney and uh, if you were listening, um, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Monday on on Fox News. Folks, we're trying to give you a um, a police perspective on this case, uh, on the law, maybe uh, go a little deeper into um, self-defense and, and deadly physical force, but if you like uh, this the show, if you like Police Off the Cuff, please go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring the bell, give us a thumbs up, we also have a Patreon and we have a, a Police Off the Cuff YouTube membership. Mike, you know, I know that you know a lot about um, deadly physical force. And I want to I read the statute from Wisconsin because a lot of people don't understand this. Uh, Wisconsin's rules for self-defense are well within the national mainstream. If people reasonably believe they're at risk of death or great bodily harm, they can use deadly physical force. Most states say that someone who provokes violence or is acting illegally waives the right to self-defense. But Wisconsin allows it if the person has exhausted every other reasonable means to escape from or otherwise avoid death or great bodily harm. So you can see how this statute came into play in this case. Comments, Mike? Yeah, well, I can
3: actually give you two uh, perspectives of uh, deadly physical force and its application with respect to uh, justification. Uh, I spent 17 years investigating homicides in Brooklyn North, in the precincts in Brooklyn North. And I had a number of uh, homicide cases. And keep in mind, homicides in New York are defined as a death caused by the actions of another. There's no necessary criminal element to it, but detectives investigate it. And more than a half a dozen of those uh, homicide investigations ended up in acquittals. Because the alleged perpetrator, in fact, used every precaution they could to avoid being in that confrontation and had to protect their own life by using deadly physical force. In most instances, they took the gun away from the, uh, the intended killer and used it on him to protect themselves. Uh, that's a professional uh, aspect of it. Um, I got the evidence. I presented it to the district attorney and the district attorney impaneled the grand jury, and the person who might have been indicted for homicide was exonerated. Uh, They were found to be justified. Now, from a personal aspect, in 1992, I was involved in a gunfight in a hallway, um, spent five minutes trying not to use deadly physical force against this person, who kept putting a gun in my face. How he didn't blow my head off, I'll never know. But ultimately, to get out of there alive, I had to use deadly physical force. creepy parallels, despite the fact that it was 35 years ago, creepy parallels with respect to the media and the politicians in this case. We had a bad mayor at that time. Um, fortunately for me, we had a good district attorney with some integrity and they did a two month investigation and presented all of the evidence. And I ultimately was exonerated and found to be justified. Um, but I remember, and this is going back to the video of Kyle collapsing uh, when he heard the verdict. Uh, I remember where I was. I was in a restaurant. I was actually down in Manhattan Court on an old case. No, nobody was going to bring me in to testify under the circumstances, but I still had to make my court appearances. And I was in a restaurant on Baxter Street. And I'm telling you now, when I saw the TV play Robert Morgenthau's press conference, until I heard the words out of his mouth, I didn't believe it. And then. If I hadn't already been sitting, I would have collapsed and hit the floor. So I know what he was feeling because I felt it. And here's the bad news. He's suffering PTSD right now. He's going to suffer it for the rest of his life because I still do. That doesn't go away. You know, Mike,
0: Mike, let me just ask you something. And this is a tremendous story. And uh, obviously you're referring to uh, the Washington Heights riots and the, um, life and death fight you had with against a drug dealer named Kiko Garcia. Some of the parallels from that. And to this is the fact that the media poured gasoline on this case, on your case from the very beginning. And also community leaders and the press took the side of the drug dealer against the cop and said, this highly decorated cop planted this gun on this drug dealer and a witness Uh, came forward who was being paid by the drug cartel up in Washington Heights, falsely testified to a grand jury that she saw you execute Kiko Garcia and plant a gun on him. She later recanted when they realized uh, the position she was in would have made it impossible to have seen what she said she had seen, and she later recanted her testimony. And you are two inches away from being indicted by a grand jury and being arrested for the murder of Kiko Garcia. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that was correct.
0: And there was also community leaders that poured gasoline on the fire. I believe there was some religious leaders that uh, poured gasoline on the fire. There was, of course, a mayor that uh, took the part of the drug dealer over the police department. And these are the things that um, that exacerbated the situation and escalated the si- situation to, to full-blown riots on the streets of Washington Heights.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. As I said, it was eerily similar, despite being 35 years ago. Eerily, eerily similar to Kyle Rittenhouse's situation in Kenosha today.
2: You, you know what I don't get, though, with the politicians? Why can't when something of this nature happens why can't they call for calm and let the investigation take place instead of infuriating the situa- situation along with the media and these community leaders they only do it to get their five minutes of fame Cars set on fire
4: Gunshots fired at police it happened just hours after a visit by mayor dinkins who promised to get the truth out david diaz is live in washington heights now with details for us david Yes, Chuck, we're at 181st Street and St. Nicholas Avenue. If you can see, the camera can catch in the distance. Fires all along this avenue, along the streets, from as far south we hear as 155th Street, past us to the north, all the way to 192nd Street. The mayor had been here earlier today in an attempt to provide calm, and earlier this evening, in fact, some of his increase, the Peace Corps had been out prior to a community meeting, leafleting people with leaflets, telling them to stay calm while the investigation continued. Well, unfortunately, they were giving those leaflets to the wrong people. Carrying limbs torn from trees and a fast rising rage, a crowd of demonstrators took to the streets, cursing the police and demanding justice in the case of Jose Kiko Garcia, whom they believe was in effect murdered by a cop eventually they would confront a cordon of cops at 181st street and broadway two blocks from the 34th precinct for a while their passion took refuge in proclamations of their dominican heritage but that did not satisfy those bent on venting their anger dozens of young people broke off running down 181st street trashing whatever they could along the way as usual, there was neither rhyme nor reason to the destruction. I am Dominica myself. I am Dominica myself, but I'm going for this, man. I swear to God. Ten minutes later, while one part of a neighborhood seemed to be getting back to normal, other parts were giving off the acrid smoke and frightening disorder of urban rebellion. Okay, well, the situation, as far as we understand it, is that there have been 11 arrests so far. Meanwhile, the fire department is fighting fire sporadically hithering and yawning as it were trying to put out these small fires that are in trash cans and with cars but so far very few injuries there have been uh, no attacks that we know of on strangers or anyone driving by the venom here is directed exclusively at the police in particular the police of the 34th Precinct, a lot of pent-up frustration and anger uh, that has erupted as a result of this case of Jose Kiko Garcia. We understand the mayor will be making another statement later this evening. We will come back to this scene, and we will bring that to you when we have it later in the broadcast. For now, this is David Diaz live.
1: You
0: know, folks, for uh, those that just tuned in, that was Washington Heights from 1992. And, Mike, you must get the chills just watching that. uh, You know what?
3: I, I do get the chills, but I, be, I keep seeing that clip of David Diaz, and I'm going to put my writer and editor hat on just for a second. Hithering and yawning. <laughs> you mean going here and there? <laughs> English, son, do you speak it?
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: well, it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I mean, I still get chills. It's uh.
2: Hey, Mike, was that 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 particular um clip? Was that Fourth of July?
3: I believe it was. Yeah
2: because I was on the detail at the 4th of July fireworks and they held us over and they sent us up to Washington Heights. We didn't get up there till about midnight. And I got to tell you, it was like a freaking war zone. I remember that clearly. I mean, most of the, Active rioting had really subsided. They, the The police were allowed to, uh, you know, push it back a little bit. So we didn't we didn't have active rioting when I got up there. But there were smoldering vehicles, trash cans. There was crap everywhere. It really looked like the remnants of a war zone. It was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty scary at the moment. You know, when that happened.
0: You know, right. folks, the reason I I bring this up and uh, to show the parallels between the Washington Heights riots and how when misinformation can just escalate a situation that could be easily quelled if the correct information goes out to the community and the press press puts the correct information instead of pouring gasoline on a turbulent situation already, which they did in the Washington uh, Heights thing, as well as members of the community. Once the police department found out the actual truth And Kiko Garcia was no doubt a drug dealer. Manhattan North Narcotics had pictures of him holding kilos and numerous guns. And in fact, when the narrative went out that Michael O'Keefe planted a gun on Kiko Garcia, Dinkins and his uh, elite security force went to Kiko Garcia's apartment and his mother produced about 12 guns and says, that's not his gun. These are his guns. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Oh, Thank you for showing us that he's a criminal, you know. She showed about 12 guns to the, and I guess the poor guy in uh, Dinkins' detail, he probably had to vouch for them, you know. It's probably the most work he did in his life.
3: (laughs) You know, I wouldn't count on that. Given that, Mayor, they probably just left and left the guns right there. Yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah, keep his guns.
3: (laughs) Interestingly enough, during the, the grand jury presentation, I later found out, that a number of confidential witnesses, confidential informants that knew him intimately, when they were asked, is it likely that he had a gun? They all said the same thing. He never didn't have a gun. Right. He always had a gun.
0: So amazing. So. It's, you know, Mike, it's, I wanted to I, I wanted to mention another thing, because especially the, the statement I read earlier by Jerry Nadler, and I'm, I'll read it again. And this was apropos in your case, and it could be in this. Uh, This heartbreaking verdict is a miscarriage. He's talking about Kenosha and Kyle uh, Wittenhouse. Uh, This heartbreaking verdict is a miscarriage of justice and such a dangerous precedent which justifies federal review by the DOJ. Justice cannot tolerate armed persons crossing state lines. What we said, that's false already. Uh, f- and um, looking for trouble while people engage in First Amendment protected protests, like riots are protected protests. Mm. But the point being is that there seems to be a trend of a certain party sicking federal units on innocent people. Well, and that's that's scary.
3: The problem that they're going to have, and Jerry Nadler being an attorney should know this, but he used to be my congressman when I lived in Queens, and he doesn't make a pimple on a, on a uh, real attorney's ass. Uh But the law, the federal statute that he's referring to is civil rights violations. Now, in order for a civil rights prosecution um, to hold up, there has to be a racial prejudice uh, issue to it. That doesn't exist here. The feds, I'm sure the Justice Department will look into it. Um, They're not going to find anything. There's nothing there. They did that with me. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this. But the Justice Department invested, investigated me for the better part of 18 months before I finally got a letter in the mail that said that I'm not on the hook for civil rights violations.
0: So it and happened. Mike, weren't you also called into court and they tried to catch you in a perjury trap? Did yeah, that I actually happen?
3: Yeah. yeah I, well, I ducked the subpoena and had it quashed, but they were going to try and get me in a perjury trap the same way they did my partner, Patty uh, Regan. They figured we're just stupid cops. We can't, uh, you know, if you interrogate us for eight hours, you're going to come up with something. And that's ultimately what they did to Patty. But no, I actually didn't manage. I managed to stay off the grand jury, the federal grand jury. They did, however, impanel five separate ones against my anti-crime team for civil rights violations and came back with nothing. Now, in federal court, in a federal grand jury, it is said that you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, if they came back five times with no true bill, maybe they should have just given it up and realized we weren't even a ham sandwich, but they didn't. They dragged Patty Regan in there and they got him to trip himself up on the grand jury where every time he failed to remember and every time he testified in error or made a mistake because he had a lousy memory, they hit him with a count of perjury. And And the poor guy did a year in federal penitentiary for meaningless, meaningless discrepancies in a grand jury that wasn't investigating anything.
0: That's you know, they, disturbing. they
2: expect you to, they expect you to have, uh, you're not allowed to be mistaken about something. I, I testified in a homicide trial years ago on, on a triple homicide, uh, a knife, We went back to the apartment hours after we left the crime scene and to just see if there were knives that would match the victim's stab wounds. We found two knives. I didn't actually do it. Another detective vouched them. And when I testified at the trial, I said, uh, they said, you know, uh, where were these knives recovered? They handed me the voucher. It said where they were covered, who vouchered them. I said the crime scene unit. I made a mistake because it wasn't a crime scene unit. They had already left and it was this detective. So now I'm getting sued years later. And they said, oh, you committed perjury. I said, no, I didn't. I was just mistaken. You're handing me a piece of paper that shows the voucher with who vouchered it. So obviously, when I testified the first time, I was mistaken. Routinely, crime scene would do it. And it was like all the wind went out of their sails when I said that, that it was just a mistake. you know. So they could really now had that bit of federal grand jury like you were just talking about. I might have gotten charged with perjury. So you got to be really careful, careful, and, you know, going back real quick to the prosecution on the Kyle Rittenhouse case, they actually went out of their way. They charged him with menacing and reckless endangerment for firing his shots at the guy to try to drop kick him. They went out of their way to keep that guy out of the case. They actually interviewed him. He asked for immunity from prosecution. They wouldn't give it to him but they charged the case and they when they went to to the uh, to the proce- to the defense with the uh, all the witnesses they said oh we couldn't get a hold of this guy now they're doing uh, the jury deliberation and they find out somebody i don't know if it was a reporter somebody finds the guy and says yeah i spoke to them they told me that they wanted me to testify i said i wanted immunity they didn't use him so they actually deferred a witness that probably would have made their case look worse because he had an extensive, very extensive criminal history. And, the, the you know, the, the defense attorneys would have been able to go into that once he takes the stand. So they deferred him. They put him on the side. So they they broke all kinds of uh, rules. They, cre- they did a lot of misconduct with uh, regard to the prosecution in this case. And, you know, just we could talk about them all day. And I and think the cynical thing reason.
3: about it, Phil, and the larger issue is they were willingly and knowingly breaking laws of procedure in court because they didn't care if the conviction held up, they knew it would be overturned. They just wanted to get one to placate political factors.
2: Absolutely.
3: That, I mean, come on, are we that dehumanizing that we're going to do that, that we're going to use a political expediency to crush someone just because it's better for me?
0: Well, that certainly is not justice. You know, that no, that's, has no, nothing it, to do with justice.
3: It's, it's uh, Phil, immoral to the point of being evil.
0: Yeah, 100%. Let's, uh, Philly, let's go to a quick break. Joe Murray, attorney
2: at law. I know Joe has an episode coming up tomorrow night on Allegedly Guilty. Look for that. I'm not sure of the time yet. But have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702, 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. That's joe at jmurray-law.com
0: you know i just wanted to mention that and it sort of gets lost in this is that the the uh, police shooting that precipitated these riots of uh jacob blake was found to be within uh department guidelines within uh federal guidelines and the police officer was never charged and he's still on the police department today so uh that that needs to be stated that the the shooting was what we call in the police uh Field is It was within department guidelines, and these riots were basically over something that was legit, and if they want to hang their hat on, this guy Jacob Blake that had a knife on him and was uh, fleeing the police, he was drunk, You know they can do that, but that's what these riots were about, and that's what escalated this situation to we may never ever heard of Kyle Rittenhouse had that never occurred.
2: Yep. That's a good point, Billy. And, uh, you know, th- that, that, uh, shooting that was by that police officer, the uh, perpetrator was armed with a knife. So the officer was found uh, 100% justifiable in firing the shots. Uh, he, do- he didn't die. He, I believe he was paralyzed or whatever, but he, he, disregarded numerous attempts at the police to ask him to drop the weapon. Uh, they tried to corral him even before he went and got the weapon out of the car. He refused. Uh, you know, the police didn't stumble upon him because they decided they wanted to shoot somebody. They were called to the scene by his girlfriend, I believe it was his girlfriend, his baby, baby mother or whatever it was. And, you know, the police didn't go there looking to shoot him. They were called to the scene. He had an extensive criminal history, uh, domestic violence history. So it was one of those things that uh, no one wants to, you know, no, no cop puts on a bulletproof vest and his uniform and his shield and his gun belt and says, I'm going to go out and kill somebody today. We go out there to serve and protect. And unfortunately, sometimes that means Protecting a person, you have to use deadly physical force.
0: Michael Geary, a retired uh, NYPD sergeant who's a professor now and has a law degree. He writes, Blake shooting was lawful but awful and used by anarchists to justify mindless rioting. Thanks for your comment, Mike. Uh, Mike's a former 4-4 cop too, so I'm sure he's seen enough gunfire in his, in his career. You know, Mike, one of the things I wanted to touch upon with you because- you happen to be uh, have some experience in this area. Now that uh, Kyle has been, Rittenhouse has been cleared, are there any other government agencies going to go after him? Is, is anyone going to go after him civilly?
3: Uh, well, the thing about civil cases, you can be sued by anyone pretty much for anything. Uh, the problem is, just dropping a lawsuit on someone doesn't mean that it's going to go anywhere. And the facts are so clear in this. It, I don't even see anybody wanting to get involved in a lawsuit of this nature. Largely because it's it's not even going to make it into court. Uh, Kyle will have an attorney. The attorney will write a memo requesting it be dismissed because it's specious. And it will be dismissed. Uh I was actually, I was sued for wrongful death by uh, the family of uh, Jose Garcia. And it took 12 years for that to go to court. And ultimately, the jury threw the family a a bone because they felt bad for the mother and the daughter. And based upon a bad jury charge from the judge, I think they gave her $70,000, $50,000 of which were supposed to, were punitive damages, was supposed to come out of me. But what they cited... As a reason to give it to him was in fact disproven in the trial, so the judge had to turn around. Now that the uh, the uh, corporation counsel uh, made an immediate appeal to the Second Circuit, and the Second Circuit threw it out, so that it was gone. It was basically a full um, it was acquittal in, in in the in the grand jury, and ultimately the lawsuit was found to be without merit. But it took twelve years.
1: So. Well.
2: You know, Mike, sometimes uh, a lot of these lawsuits – I was involved in a shooting in 1986 where (laughs) – I won't go into the whole story, but real quick, the perps uh, shot out. I was driving, uh, we were in anti crime. I was driving, my partner was in the passenger seat. We had another police officer with us in the back seat, and they blew out my partner's window with a shot. My partner fired back. I jumped out. I shot through the back window of the car, hit the guy in the back. The guy later sued me. Uh, when we had the EBT, the examination before trial, uh, the city's attorney, uh, when we walked away from the uh, EBT, I said, How'd I do? He said, You did fantastic. He said, You know, the guy, uh, uh, looked horrible i said so he ain't getting no money right he goes well doesn't always work that way at the time he said a a trial cost about 50 we offered him 10 i later found out about two years later he got forty thousand dollars uh illegal immigrant from jamaica uh armed with a nine millimeter blew out the window of our car in the city handed him 40 grand Mm. so uh it doesn't always uh work the way that we think it's a lot of times they'll throw money at them rather than spend money on a trial, which I'm appalled by. I think they should spend a million for a scumbag like that, that try to kill uh, three police officers after doing a, uh, an armed robbery. But, uh, that's a whole story for another day. But
3: you're right, Phil, but it's a common practice in civil law. And it's the yes. reason why these specious lawsuits clog up the courts for years at a time. They're looking to get the city to pay what's called "fuck you" money, and it's basically they're giving you a sum of money that will cost less than the trial to make That's you go it. away. And it's purely a fiscal decision. There's never an admonition of guilt or wrongdoing on 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 the uh, the defendant in the lawsuit. In this case, the city's part. And it's to be perfectly honest, it's responsible to the taxpayers. It's unbelievable.
2: It's gone unbelievable. Yeah. now.
3: Oh it grates against, you know, reasonable people. It should grate against, against them. Uh, the, the fact that people that don't deserve to get money are getting money when in fact they were committing crimes when they were allegedly injured. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you give somebody like that $40,000, the lawyer's getting 20, this 20 grand is going to go in a crack pipe and be gone within a week.
2: you you know as a side note that the second perpetrator on that case went on to kill six people in baltimore maryland and was featured on america's most wanted two years later i'm sitting in the rip office and i'm watching it and it turned out he was captured the next day so i I mean you know you're looking for justice there's some ridiculous things that go on in this world when it comes to justice
0: you know folks uh in the chat and people that um so that this is one of the, if you join the YouTube channel, this is one of the stickers we give out, Polish My Rack, and we've explained what that means a thousand times. But this happens to be the rack of uh, Mike Heinrichs, who was one of the most highly decorated detectives in the history of NYPD. And at the very top of this rack is uh, two combat crosses. That's the green bar. And the second one is signify- signified by the oak leaf. And then he has a medal of two medals of valor. Same thing. The second is signified by the oak leaf. And he has over 212 department citations besides that. And I mean, there's, there's huge stories behind every one of those. But I found it funny because the fan of the show used his rack and put the Polish My Rack uh, little sticky that we get from our memberships on top of it. So Mikey and the person that sent that to you and to us, thank you so much. It's uh it's a lot of fun we use it as a sort of a joke and we use it as sort of a a metaphor for uh, police off the cuff polish my rack you know but that uh, rack
3: is no joke No
0: that's no, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's that's a,
3: a lot
2: of rack and Mikey Heinrichs, I worked I caught homicides with Mike mm-hmm. great guy great detective uh real hero to the NYPD and just a a really good guy a good person and a great cop
3: Yeah yeah,
2: absolutely,
0: know about him. Absolutely, man,
3: tremendous. He had his own. He had a reserve seat every year down at Metal Day. Down at yeah, Price. yeah. Well, you I know, was funny. So uh, you'd, my, you'd find him there every spring. Yeah. When he
0: was getting promoted to uh, first grade, a guy that um, from the two-three squad was there, John D'Alessio, and uh, Madarasso saw him with you know the rack up this high, and he goes, "Who invited Audie Murphy here?" You know, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <not> wrong. <laughs> and I thought uh, – <laughs> Thank I got a quick name.
2: funny story about when he got second. When he got second, they put three names in. They put my name, they put a guy from the 7 1 squad. Uh, Billy, I can't think of his last name, and they put Mikey Heinrichs in. Now, at the time, Kerrick was saying, I wanted guys with a lot of medals. So Heinrichs was supposed to get it first. Well, they promoted the guy from the 7-1. Then they promoted me. And then somehow or another, Mikey got out of the loop. And, you know, uh, somebody went to Kerrick and said, listen, you know, you you were supposed to promote. It It was like they oversaw it by mistake. And in October, he called him up to his office. He said, you're getting promoted to second grade. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Sorry about that. He's like, I'm fine. Where do you want to go? We're going to take care of you. No, I'm in the homicide squad. I'm good. And then he goes, well, don't worry. We're going to take care of you. Two months later, he got first. So he had a very short stint as a second grader and well-deserved. Uh, You know, Bill, it's great that we got Michael O'Keeffe here today, first grader. We had Tommy Day yesterday. Now we're talking about uh, Mikey Heinrichs. Three terrific true NYPD heroes. And I just am so honored to be around them. And I think you should be as well, Bill. No, Great I a
0: hundred percent. I, I absolutely am. And I just, you know, when we talk about that, that, that uh, term, the rack, me- it, 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 it polish my rack, it was meant as a derogatory term to people that would bust my balls. I would say to them, Hey, go <laughs> to my locker and go polish my rack. <laughs> 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 so I always thought that was funny and it is funny, but you know, uh, I think we covered this case pretty well. We covered it in the last two days. It's good to get uh, different points of view. And, um, you know, it, it's it's disturbing that uh, anyone would t- speak out against the American criminal justice system. And when a jury comes down to question their authority and, and their right to come down with the verdict that they view as the right verdict based on the evidence, that's disturbing to me especially when it comes from politicians. We should just keep their mouths shut and says the jury system, it works. I don't always agree with it. I didn't agree when the verdict came down on OJ. I certainly didn't agree with it, but I accepted it, you know? And uh, look, there's thousands of cases that we could say, you know, tit for tat stuff. Oh, how come he got off, but he got convicted? How come, you know?
3: It's in the hands of human beings. Human beings make mistakes. Just because people agreed on something and and reviewed the evidence, not everybody sees everything the same way. So you're going to have vagaries. But for the most part, this is the fairest justice system in the world. Fairest.
5: There isn't a better
3: one. There isn't a better one. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's in the hands of human beings. But it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it, it's the best system available, uh, I yeah. believe. You know, uh, One of the things, guys, I want to, before we uh, go to last comments, I just want to give Mike a couple of plugs here. This is his, his book, A Reckoning in Brooklyn. I've actually read all his books. They're great. They're really, uh, I hope uh, one or two of them gets made into a movie and I get a part in it, you know. But uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Shot to Pieces, a uh, great book. Uh, that's sort of autobiographical about the Washington Heights riots and other stories. And this is your latest, right, Mike? Burned to a crisp?
3: Yeah, that was based on an arson triple homicide I had uh, when I was in the 83 3 squad.
0: Right. I read that. I read all your books. So, um, folks, if you uh, if you like police novels, you like excitement, you like from a NYPD point of view and not just from a police point of view, then uh, I implore you, you can get these on Amazon, I think. Right, Mike?
3: Yeah, all my books are on Amazon. Um you can also get it through my website, Uh, I have a uh, a redirect button that I'll send you to my Amazon page where all my books are available.
0: That's very cool. Uh, as I do in every show, I give, uh, I give everyone last words. I'm going to go right to Phil. Phil, last words. Last words. Listen,
2: the media and the politicians that are fan- fanning the flames of fury, I'm calling you out. Stop it. The jury system has spoken. It's like Mike just said, it's probably the best in the world. It's not perfect, but they spoke. It's over with. Let's call for calm. None of this rioting bullshit and nonsense. It is what it is. And as we were on the air, Bill, Tommy Dades texted me. I got to mention this. He's a great guy. His daughter, Nicole, just got engaged. God bless. I know her. She's a great girl. She's a school <laughs> teacher. God bless, Nicole, on your engagement. Congratulations, Tommy.
0: And I'll leave it to Mike now. Mike, is that is it Michael Mike O'Keefe author? Is that the correct uh, link Michael, to Michael
3: Michael O'Keefe author.
0: Oh, it's Michael Hello O'Keefe. Spaces, okay.
3: no caps, no punctuation.
0: People have asked. Okay, okay. folks, that's that's the link there. Michael O'Keefe author to get all of his books, and uh, you won't be sorry. You know, even though it's it's not beach, you can. You can read it by the fireplace instead of being on the beach. Or, Mike, or, you,
3: or you could go to a tropical destination. And read oh, it. right.
0: You know, you could take a flight to Bermuda, Bahamas, Florida, yeah. wherever you want. Mike, final words.
3: Yeah, the observation I'm going to make is that we're in the quandary we're in because people who are supposed to be responsible no longer care about the truth. You have the media who's trying to make money and sensationalism and turmoil and chaos is how they make their money. Now you have the politicians and basically it's just the lunatics on the left that are doing this, but they're doubling down on disproven lies, largely because they don't know how to do anything else. They're appealing to their base because they want to get votes with no regard to crumbling society. The solution? I don't know. I think that's going to be in the hands of the voters. I would encourage you to take an active part in your own government and elect the one that will protect your interests.
0: Well said, Mike. You know, folks, on behalf of uh, Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and uh, my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, and special guest today, Michael O'Keefe. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the next time around.
2: Stay safe, everybody. Good
1: night. Singing the norm.